Hello, my name is Mel and welcome to my podcast, where I have conversations, hear stories and gain wisdom from incredible human beings that leave me thinking, but seriously, who knew? Right, let's get to it and apologies in advance for any swearing. Hi, Jessica, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, If you could introduce yourself to everyone, please. Yeah, so my name is Jessica. I am a uh, coming up on five-year breast cancer survivor. I went through 16 rounds of chemotherapy, 24 rounds of radiation. I had a double mastectomy, a hysterectomy, and a 10-hour flap reconstruction where they took fat tissue and blood vessels from my stomach and placed them in my chest to recreate my breasts. And during my breast cancer journey, I decided to create a movement which turned into an app called Feel for Your Life to encourage young people and actually everyone to do self-exams, get strength, get screened and advocate for their breast health. Amazing. I didn't realize you'd gone through as much treatment as that. It puts mine to shape. Not, not that it's, <laughs> it's not a competition. I know. Right. That. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely not a competition. I had eight rounds of chemo, 15 of radiotherapy and a lumpectomy and reconstruction on the other one. So that was bad enough. So you My sound goodness. like you've been that, through I mean, the field. still a lot. Though. Oh, it I mean, was a lot. It, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we, we found out yesterday that our diagnosis was not far apart. Mine was June 20, uh, 2018 and yours was August did you say yeah uh, my formal diagnosis was mm-hmm. in August of 2018 we were right behind each other <laughs> yeah yeah but you carried on going um, a bit longer than me because I just noticed again your story saying that you had just finished radiotherapy this time four years ago um, mm-hmm. yep. which was yeah that, it, it's funny actually it's quite nice that you don't remember the anniversaries I think because you'd forgot, I hadn't realised what the day was. And I quite like that because the, for the first year or two, you're this time last year, this time last year, and you're already referring back to it. Whereas it's quite nice in a way to forget those quite momentous anniversaries. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I've noticed like this uh, year four of being in remission that, or you know, really year three, year four, I'm forgetting the anniversaries because I've been so focused on living a life Mm -hmm. without cancer, with cancer far behind me. You know, I still honor my journey, but the the milestones, you know, are important, but the anniversaries of them are not something I really think about so much anymore. It was my husband's like, oh, hey, remember this day? Because it was just as significant for him. I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm like, where do you want to go for lunch now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, but as I say, I think that's quite a healing thing isn't it that's quite a hopefully a natural thing because if you're focusing on what you went through you you don't move forward in quite the same way I don't think so I think it can only be a positive thing that I agree Mm -hmm. Uh, so so yes so I follow you on Instagram and I'm amazed with the things that you're doing for the breast cancer community and to try and prevent um, people having to go through or get to the stage where you know they're having not successful treatment for breast cancer by examining themselves and stuff and I actually do have the app on my phone I'll admit I'm a bit rubbish at checking myself but I did download the app months and months and months ago so I do have it um so yeah it's you 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 astound me you're amazing what you're doing what made you decide to do it 
Well, when I was going through chemotherapy, I came out to my friends on social media and said, hey, um, I did a self-exam and got diagnosed with breast cancer. In case you see me running around bald, just know that I'm probably not doing that great, but I'm going to be okay and try not to stare too much. And they were just like, what? What do you mean you have cancer? Because I was trying to like just say it as quickly as possible, kind of blow over it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and the, all the questions just came in because I was in my early 30s. And, you know, my friends and I were just coming out of our 20s into 30s. We're still invincible. You know, nothing can stop us. We have the whole world in front ahead of us and we have our whole lives to still plan. Um, I had only been married just a little under three years at the wow. time. So everyone was just really freaked out. And the question that came up was like, so how did you get diagnosed? What do you mean you're doing self exams? I'm like, yeah, I do my self exams every month, right after my menstrual cycle, you're doing them too, right? And because it was you found that most people weren't then. I mean, most... I, was, I was rubbish, I'll be honest. And I was in my 40s when I was diagnosed just after my 48th birthday. So I was still in the UK, we get um, mammograms every three years um, on the national health from 50. So I was still too young. Um, but I only uh, only did a self-exam because I'd fallen over. So I was a bit rubbish at doing it regularly. Um, and I just assumed that most people do it a bit more regularly than I did. But you, that obviously wasn't the case with your friends then. They didn't do it. Right. They weren't doing self-exams. And, um, you know, women that I found, you know, they're taking care of everyone else mm -hmm. and putting themselves last. They're taking care of their kids, their career women. They're running around doing this and that for everyone else. And they just kind of put their own health on the back burner. And, you know, women are mammogramming their breasts and which is fine. If you look good and you want to show off, you, you know, you go girl, but take care of yourself, mammogram your breasts, examine your breasts, take care of your breasts as well. I think they both go hand in hand. Mm. So I found there were three reasons that my friends weren't doing self-exams. No one ever showed them or talked to them about it. Um, they felt ashamed of their bodies and they were kind of insecure about touching themselves. And three, they were afraid of finding something and not really sure what to do next. Yeah. Um, because insurance is kind of a hot topic here on our side of the pond but you know they they just they didn't have a plan so it's just like I'm going to close my eyes to it and if I close my eyes to it and don't recognize it then I guess it doesn't exist which we all know isn't true oh it, absolutely but we all do it on every I do it on so many levels and so many subjects in my life I like, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm I like my happy little either. bubble thank you very much and I don't want yes. anyone to burst my happy little bubble thank you very much um and it is <laughs> it is that scariness because we do feel inv invincible and it doesn't matter what age you are. You don't think it's going to happen to you. I actually had a psychic tell me once that I was never going to get cancer. So, you know, oh, wow. she definitely owes me a bit of a refund. But it's, <laughs> you know, um, but it's you, you don't think it's going to happen to you, don't do you? You don't think you're going to have a heart attack. You don't think you're going to, you know, have a stroke. You don't, you don't think anything bad's going to happen to you, even though you know it can. You, you feel inv invincible whatever age you are, or certainly up to a certain age anyway. Um, so yeah, and I and I think I think we all bury our head in the sands about a lot about money, about you know how our kids are, you know, getting on. Any anything we it's it's easier to bury our heads. Right, we feel entitled to live our lives because mm. we all feel like we're doing you know really important things and we have things to do and stuff to get done and people to see. So yeah. we just we think, oh, I don't have time for this. And I was you know 
at the peak of my career in marketing. I remember I was standing in Chicago in the middle of Berkeley Field working on a marketing campaign that I was really excited about. And I knew about the lump at the time, but the thing was, I had just seen my practitioner not long before I found the lump in my breast. And she told, well, she didn't tell me anything about it. So when I discovered it, you know, while taking a shower and doing a self-exam, I thought, oh, surely she would have told me about this, but uh -huh. she, she didn't. And I found out later she didn't tell me about it because she thought I was too young to have cancer. Right. Even though I'm the fourth generation on my dad's side of the family to have breast cancer. <laughs> oh, okay. So was yours yeah. genetic then or have you, have, have they done the test? So there, there is a genetic link, but I've had genetic testing. Other people in my family have had genetic testing and no known gene mutation has showed up in the okay. testing that's available. I was tested last against, you know, more than 80 genes and everything pretty much came back fine. And they're like, yeah, you don't have the BRCA mutation or any known mutation that we have okay. right now. So it's just a giant question mark with so all of our medical providers. So there still might be something there. They just haven't identified which gene it is. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Oh, yep. yes. That seems a bit of a coincidence, doesn't it, with so many of you did that is that why you did self-exams then because there was a history in your family what made you different than your friends so when I was 18 I was a freshman um, in college and I was walking to class one day and my right breast hurt and I go to the bathroom I <laughs> discovered a lump that was very mobile and it was you know pretty good size I could move it around and it freaked me out mm. and so I ended up having a lumpectomy at 18 years old they wow. removed it biopsied it it turned out to be a benign growing fibroadenoma that was hormonally fueled which was really concerning to them and it was that experience and mm. learning that I had dense breasts and my genetic history to do my self-exams um, regularly. And so I, the habit I developed at 18 mm. saved my life 15 years later at 33 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It just, yeah. So the, the thing they, that they found when you were 18, that could have turned cancerous if they hadn't removed it. Is that what they were concerned about? Um, they were concerned about the fact that it was just growing and that it was causing me pain okay. and that it was just kind of interfering, you know, with, you know, my mental health and whatnot. So they're like, you know, with the rate of this is growing, we don't like it. So we're going to remove it. And I thought, mm. Great. Yeah. Wow. And at that time, you know, I was informed like, I mean, no one said that I was guaranteed to not get cancer, but the general consensus from my experience was that just because you had a fibroadenoma doesn't mean that you will automatically get cancer. Right. Um, and my experience from what I've been told and what I've looked at, you know, women's breasts are lumpy and 80% of lumps in the breasts that are found in menstruating women are typically benign. Mm -hmm. Of course, always talk to your doctor about that, but sometimes there are other reasons to find lumps in your breasts and that's okay. Just talk to your doctor about what's normal. Yeah, exactly. And it's getting to know your breasts as well, isn't it? By doing Absolutely. regular examinations, um, you get, to, because they are lumpy. I mean, they're, you know, definitely different times of the month and stuff like that. So it is just noticing change and what's your normal is not somebody else's normal. 
Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just looking out for the change, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So on your app, you teach people how to self-exam? Yeah, I use instructions from the National Breast Cancer Foundation and show women how to do self-exams. And inside the app, there's an area where you can track and monitor your progress and take notes. And you have everything right there with you. After you fill out that assessment, um, you just hit submit and it'll even email you a copy. So you have it in your email as well. Mm -hmm. And then you can set a reminder um, every month based on what your doctor wants you to do. I used to do mine after my menstrual cycle. And now I just pick the same time every month Mm -hmm. and I get a little notification that says, Hey, it's time to do a self exam. So when I take a shower that day, um, I I make sure I just uh, take a look at them and feel them. And, you know, I'll, I I use my own app. I keep track of it inside of there. Mm. Was that complicated to set up then? Or did you have the skills or whatever to, to do that, to do the app? Cause you always think that's, that's quite a, a, money pit of things to do so (laughs) I will I will I will say that you know while there is a cost incurred with running the app I don't make any money with the app itself this is just something I am so passionate about Mm -hmm. getting out to as many women as possible to use to help them advocate for themselves and it was really during the pandemic, you know, when we all, I went from cancer to COVID and I guess you kind of did too, you know, since we're on a similar timeline and I was already used to the quarantines, but when COVID came around and I thought, well, we all have a little bit more time to sit here and wonder what we're going to do with our lives. I decided to use that time to learn about app development. And I wanted to ensure that women had access to tools and resources while they were in quarantine because I had read that women were missing their annual exams and screenings with their providers and they were getting diagnosed with cancer at later stages. And I thought, well, at least if they're doing self exams at home, then you know they could make arrangements with their doctor at least over Zoom or something and try to set mm-hmm. something up to for the safest environment possible to get a scan if they needed it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it started from there wow. and then it just kind of blew up and wow. it's been downloaded by tens of thousands of women all over the world. And I couldn't be more humbled and honored that women That's are trusting me to help them advocate. That's amazing. Well done. Thank you That's, so much. That's just fantastic. And you, I, I've seen you getting a award. You had an award for something not that long ago. Yeah. So actually coming up very soon, the National Breast Cancer Foundation is um, awarding me with their leadership award for the advocacy work and spreading awareness about self-exams and screening. So that, it's been really excited to be recognized for that. You must be super proud of yourself, as you should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't quite, do this hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite hard sometimes to stay within the community. And because I wrote a book about it obviously I'm you know I'm trying I try to promote that and so I'm you know I follow a lot of people on social media and stuff um and within that obviously there's unfortunately quite a lot of people with secondary breast cancer who are not going to live and I've you know connected with quite a few people who have unfortunately died after you know after I've followed them and stuff and and it's quite hard to be in that space when you've been through it how do you find that you know, it's, it, it's difficult to watch, especially in 
women, you know, even under the age of 40, I've had friends um, pass. I had a friend who was 25 when she was diagnosed with stage four. And um, I will say that going through radiation around this time, four years ago, I met a woman, we were close in age. She had just had a baby and um, we, we got to know each other really well over social media, especially because we were going to the same hospital mm-hmm. for treatment and um, her cancer ad- advanced uh, very rapidly. She didn't get to do radiation. We weren't going to do it together. And she passed away right around this time, four years ago. Wow. So it's, it's, it's hard. It, it's really hard. And it also just kind of reminds me of why I'm doing this to okay. get the information out there. Um, I have a woman I've recently connected with on Instagram who downloaded my app. She's a breast cancer survivor, but she, after downloading my app, did a self-exam and detected breast cancer again after doing a self-exam and using my app and was able to find it faster before it metastasized. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I, you know, I've helped at least, you know, one woman and maybe saved her life. And so just knowing that makes it all worth it to me. Yeah. So, so although you have to be a bit protective over your mental health, you must have to be because of being involved in that, in that whole space, in that whole community, I suppose the the good that you're doing completely counteracts that. And as long as you're sensible and and careful with your own mental health, then then you can you can cope with it. I'm assuming. Yeah, um, I think it's been important to be cognizant of my boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. Not, you know, it's okay to inform myself of uh, the cancer community and some of the advances being made in treatment and whatnot. But I also have to like take a breather and also step outside of that and remind myself that you know, cancer is a big part of my life, but it's not my entire life, even though feel free life kind of takes up a lot of my heart. Um, just, you know, the, the good stories on the other side of that, you know, keep me going and just knowing the things that may trigger me and, um, understanding the purpose at the same time, it's all about balance really. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest parts is like, I can't compare my story to someone else's, Um, I can't internalize that. I have to separate myself. You know, there are so many different factors of everyone's diagnosis and pathology. I can't play the comparison game because it'll drive you nuts if you start doing that. Yeah. And you you do have that slight survivor's guilt, don't you, as well, which is, well, I do, which is crazy because I know I'm one of the lucky ones and I don't, I struggle with some of the language around breast cancer, the fighting and the warrior and the whatever, because sure. I just did as I was told and went where I was told. So I was, I classed myself as lucky. My wizards at my hospital in Ipswich were brilliant. And I just happened to get lucky with the treatment they gave me. Mine was very aggressive, but they caught, you know, we both caught it early and stuff. Um, so I have no idea where that was going. Where was that going? What was I saying? Survivor's guilt. You were talking yeah, about sorry. survivor's guilt. Yeah, sorry. There we go. So, yeah, I, but but there is that that slight, not, not as I'm getting further away from it, I don't think, but when I speak to people who, um, a, a friend of mine, unfortunately, is stage four um, cancer, and luckily she's, she's doing really well and living very well with cancer at the moment. But obviously, you know, that's at some point in time going to change. And I felt a bit guilty about it that I got through it you know 
Yeah, that that's understandable. I mean, when we experience guilt, it often it's a projection of like badness within ourselves. Like, hey, we, we're not worthy. We're, we've done something to someone or caused the situation mm-hmm. when really it's just it's, um, you know, between the guilt and the shame, we have to realize that we didn't do anything to bring this on ourselves. And we experience that guilt when we feel like we've lost control when we see someone experience something else that's, you know, just you know, a little more difficult, like stage four, and we see them suffer and struggle with that. But we have to remember that, you know, you didn't do anything to cause this on yourself. You didn't do anything to cause it to them, but you can still offer empathy and support to them at the same time. Absolutely. There's no badness associated with it. Yeah. As far as internal. Yeah, exactly. And I think sharing stories like you do, like I do, like many women do, does help other people not feel alone I had again another friend who'd had breast cancer before me and luckily is in you know is is all good um but she had she's got some other health things and she reached out to me because she knew I'd understand what she was going through whereas her family however empathetic and try to understand they can't actually I mean I can't understand what she's going through because her story is different than mine but you know I can relate to it and and I think I think by sharing the stories, you make people not feel completely alone, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we share that, we are making an effort to to relate, to offer that empathy so that someone says, hey, you know, I'm not alone in this. And someone else has, you know, struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, they came through it and look at what they're still able to do, what look at what they're still capable of doing, you know, that can be me also. Yeah. I mean, you must be a massive inspiration to people. They see, you know, because they're on their journey before hopefully breast cancer when they first come across your app. Um, and but obviously there are people who then develop breast cancer. So to be able to see you living your best life and looking amazing and, you know, doing doing this and helping other people must be a real inspiration to other people. It is. Well, trust me, it's uh, yeah, an inspiration. I, I, <laughs> I mean, for my part, I, it's well, an inspiration. I hope, so. <laughs> I, I hope it, it's more, you know, in encouraging them, mm-hmm. takes the fear out of medical advocacy to know that they still have options and choices and that they're still very capable, you know, people to um, take care of themselves. You know, not that anyone really thinks they're hopeless or, you know, helpless. But, you know, some people will make excuses like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have, you know, I can't do this. I have this and this um, going on right now. But it's like, hey, you know, Jessica's got this, you know, this company, this app called Feel for Your Life, and she's empowering others. And, you know, she took the steps that she needed to take to get the medical care that she needed for this deadly disease that's just wreaking havoc on women. So, you know her story while it is kind of scary you know I need to make sure I take care of myself I've had women message me like I'm doing my self exams every day and I'm like wait I don't think you need to do that that sounds like anxiety but yeah um I'm like just just talk to your doctor you know um you don't want to hurt yourself or cause any bruising because then you're going to have issues that you may see and then you well, don't you're going to see changes like aren't you within that month you will you will feel lumps you will see changes, <laughs> right which is why you've yeah. got to be a bit careful not to get obsessive about it but again exactly if you get that yeah. in your head it's health anxiety is a is a real and horrible thing to have certainly mm-hmm. what are your what are your dreams and goals for for the app and for the future generally for you and I 
I mean, I have this dream that every woman knows what Feel for Your Life is and that they are doing self-exams and that they're getting screened and talking to their providers about breast density and their genetic, mm. uh, you know, their genetic risk and just their just taking control of their lives and not feeling like they are, um, you know, victimized by their uh, family history or things that they've seen or heard about and that they can be empowered to, you know, move forward with, you know, their personal advocacy, their medical advocacy, and just, you know, they're doing their self exams, they are getting screened, and they're just taking those healthy steps to empower their lives. Wow, that's amazing. What do you what do you do when we, we were talking about mental health, and you sort of stepping back occasionally, what do you do to relax and stuff? Do you have something like you know I don't know do you do you have a, a specific thing that you go off and do and relax that you, you yeah know, that helps well um I am a person of faith so I practice you know my faith I love to exercise um I work out six days a week and nothing makes me feel more powerful than being able to see what my body can do post-cancer like it is at first it was pretty discouraging because I was in the best shape of my life whenever I was diagnosed, but to know that now I'm getting close to beating my former self before breast cancer feels amazing. So, um, I also, you know, I go to my medical appointments. I, you know, take time to maybe get a massage or I know after scan days, when I'm really anxious, I treat myself to my favorite place for lunch or, or dinner or my favorite snack. But um, I have my friends that I call on, people in my family who support me. And then for like the, the really big milestones, I may take a trip somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a long road, isn't it, afterwards? Everyone, and I definitely thought that once you'd finished treatment within a, within a reasonable amount of time afterwards, you'd kind of get back to normal. Um, and, and you have to find your new normal, but it's nice when you feel physically like you're getting there. But just just before I'll, I'll come back to that in a sec and ask you a question. Sorry. Just popped in my head that somebody I um, am in contact with on social media, um, her oncologist said to her, oh, will you just get radiotherapy out of the way and then you can get back to normal? clearly the oncologist has never had cancer and I thought that was a very insensitive thing to say but anyway back to back to yeah being becoming fit I had to climb over from my passenger side to my driver's side in my car the other day because someone had parked so close to me and there's a big center console in the middle and I kind of looked at my daughter and was like you're gonna have to do this and you're gonna have to move the car and she was like no mum you can do it and I did it (laughs) and I was like oh my god I've got you know flex some flexibility back because the the medication the hormone medication letrozole affects my joints Mm -hmm. and it's quite nice when you like you say when you feel like you're actually feeling back to a new normal but back to pre-cancer I even feel like I look a bit more like pre-cancer now and I and it's taken five years nigh on to get there um yeah it's it's quite nice to yeah I would anyone who's been through cancer I would just say go out and try something new or something different. Just kind of push yourself, test Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Like 
remember you were a person before you were diagnosed. You are not identified by your disease. Mm -hmm. This is a big thing that happened to you, but it isn't all of what happened to you. You're still very much a person outside of that. So try new things or go back to old hobbies and remember, hey, this is who I was before. And this is who I still am. I can still do all of these things. I'm very capable of being myself. Mm -hmm. It's hard, isn't it? Because when you're going through the journey, it, your whole life is consumed by appointments and um, feeling rubbish and all of those right. things that when you're when you're out the other side the day that I finished radiotherapy I had chemo surgery radiotherapy so that was my last um, apart from obviously ongoing treatment but it was it's that you walk away from a hospital and go oh shit what do I do now I mean I was still having certain injections yeah. But it, you, your whole life is consumed. So to try and find or go back or whatever, it's it's quite a difficult thing to do, isn't it? It is difficult. I remember when I came upon uh, my last appointment, one of my last appointments in active treatment with my oncologist. Um, just seeing, first, my oncologist treated me, an aunt, and a, my grandmother on my dad's side. So I'm the third generation that he has treated. And so he, he took a vested interest in, you know, my cancer and, and my health particularly. And I know he cares for all of his patients, but mm. um, it was, I remember saying like, so am I cancer free? And it was a question. And he's like, yes, you are, you are cancer free. And I, I want you to keep thinking about that. Mm. And there's this part um, I've seen on Instagram, you know, how we're not ready to be pushed out of the nest yet. We still want our blood work done every week. We still want, you know, <laughs> are you sure it's gone? Because for the past several months, yeah. it's like, you have cancer, you have cancer, you have cancer, yeah. but I need to hear more <laughs> that I don't have cancer mm. to override that. And so I just remember just... <sighs> wait, when do I see you again? What do you mean in a month? Yeah. <laughs> a whole month? Yeah. And now, you know, I'm now at twice a year and I'm sure that wow. in August, when I reach the five years formally, it'll be once a year, but I'm, I still ask to see my breast surgeon um, twice a year. I just, oh, even to some extent now, I want to make sure I'm surveilled to some extent. Yeah, no, I, mine, my yearly mammograms stop in June, July um, and then it goes to three yearly I'm not ready to do that so I will definitely be paying for at least one in between on the 18 month if not a yearly one um, because I think I get although I'm potentially still on letrozole for another five years come July I'm kind of released from the fold and I don't feel very comfortable about it I don't right I don't know whether I'll still speak to my oncology nurse because I'm on letrozole or whether it's a okay, off you pop, we'll speak to you in five years. I don't know, but I don't feel terribly comfortable about being let go. Right. I mean, I feel confident where I am, but I still want to know that someone's looking out for me. Someone <laughs> has my back yeah. in, in some way. So it's still, you know, that fear is just kind of, kind of creeps in a little bit, even mm. now, like I'm not mm. going to act like everything's like fine because for the most part it is, but there's still, it sits in the back of your head sometimes well you know you it can kind of wonder yeah you know it can yeah. you know even though mm -hmm. I've gone back to complete blissful ignorance it'll never happen to me I know it can 
and I, I yeah. know you know so it's yeah it's quite scary it's quite scary and I yeah I'd quite like to keep having yearly mammograms for the rest of my life thank you very much so I might do so <laughs> but on my own pocket you know from my own pocket but that's that's yeah. cool <laughs> yeah I wanted to ask you a question actually whenever you have your yearly mammograms maybe you've seen this term on Instagram scanxiety mm-hmm. is that something that you experience when you get a mammogram or any other scan Yes, I particularly had it when I used to go for my, oh, I can't remember what they're called, the Mugger scans, Mugger scans, I don't know how you pronounce it, because of the letrozole I was, um, sorry, Herceptin I was having, um, and they had to inject dye, and because the veins have gone, I, I particularly got it then and got medication from my oncology team um, before then. But for my mammograms, I'm not so bad going in. It's when I receive my letter two or three weeks later to say it's okay, that I suddenly mm. physically let out a breath and realised that for those two or three weeks, I've been holding my breath, really. Not actually, yeah. obviously. But yeah, no, so so not so much having it done. It's, and I don't realise how anxious I am until I get my letter to say it's clear. I see. Yeah, I feel that way about blood work. The blood work, like I'm so used to handing my body over to a nurse or someone to take my blood. Um so the blood work itself doesn't make me nervous. It's waiting for the results. I know there have been times, I know in the beginning, I knew that the results would come in a few days. So I would keep my phone turned off because uh-huh. I would check my messages when I was ready. Right. If something came back and they're like, yeah, we want to see you. Um, but, you know, thankfully I never got that call no. for that. <laughs> there was one time uh, a nurse from or actually um, an admin from my oncologist office called me after an appointment once. And I'm just like, hello. And I was pretty aggressive <laughs> about, she's like, oh, hey, Jessica, this is so, I'm like, yeah, 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 get to it. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, we just had a question about such and such. I'm like, oh, I said, okay, well, this is the answer. Don't call me. <laughs> just send me a text like email me yeah exactly or or send me a text to warn me you're going to ring me about something not important (laughs) right (laughs) right I'm like I just saw you all like and I had blood work time like yeah Yeah, it's crazy isn't it yeah and they're just you know people who work in the admin office they just for them to some extent I know that they have empathy but it's also a job and I don't think they're always aware of what phone calls are like from their office no totally you know messaging and and whatnot um yeah you know they they have a job to do so they have to you know reach out when it's necessary (laughs) but no I like you say they don't they don't really get it people who haven't been through it don't really get it anyway I mean you you can have all the empathy in the world but unless you've experienced something firsthand anything you you don't really get it right exactly you can try but you you know as I say I was very much like well surely you're back to normal now amazing you've got no cancer or you've you know before I had a miscarriage I was very much like oh well you know it's nature's way (laughs) I mean Mm -hmm. just all those absolute you know ridiculous things that you think of when you haven't experienced those things you know so yeah I don't think unfortunately you can you can really feel it but um again hopefully we're spreading the message a little bit and, um... right yeah the mental health part of it is one of the biggest battles after the fact mm. um you know I I don't think 
in oncology may, I know they have some awareness of how important it is, but I, I think they're just, they kind of like throw their hands up. It's like, what, what, what do you want us to do? We told you you were cancer free. Yeah. So go live your life. I don't know what else you want me to say or do. No, totally. I mean, I, I kind of went through my treatment quite, quite well, really. I mean, I had, you know, dreadful side effects and stuff, but mentally quite well. It was a few days where I had tears few days when my husband was watching YouTube videos saying what trip we were going to go on when I was okay. And I, I, you know, I could cope with up to a point and then be like, you need to turn it off. I don't know. I'm going to be here next summer. So let's not, you know, think ahead. Um, and most of the time I was okay, but it was afterwards. And I did go to counseling a couple of times. We're, we've got a lovely, a, amazing charity Macmillan here. Um, and they have got an office at the hospital. So they provided, um, some counseling to me but by the time I'd gone it was only a few weeks um I'm quite I'm quite um clued into my emotions and I did a psychology degree so I'm very self-aware um and by the time I went I'd kind of gone through everything in my head as to how to deal with it and she went I think we had two or three sessions she went you don't really need me do you as we're just chatting back and forth and there was no counseling (laughs) whatsoever happening but it was a service that that we can take up and I also did a course afterwards called the Hope Course, again, through Macmillan. And you're, I think there was eight, ten of us in the room and they 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 go through a booklet. But then you're chatting to other cancer survivors. Um, and I was very against it to start with, thinking I don't want cancer buddies. I really don't want to talk about cancer. But actually, it was really helpful. But it is that, you know, that off you go. And like you say, if you don't get offered some help, it's really difficult to to deal with if you haven't got somebody to talk to who's been through it yeah and you know I would say let's say there's a woman who hasn't had breast cancer but she's curious about taking steps towards you know doing uh, her self-exams and talking to her doctor I would just say you know make the appointment get you know talk about getting screened or getting into a screening routine and what that looks like talk to your doctor about doing self-exams and your genetics history, your, your breast density and how that plays a role. But if you're scared of those things, have your support system, like who are you going to call on, you know, have your accountability buddies that so and and do it together. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be at the same appointment together, but you can, you know, um, actively practice that together and talk about it. You know, women talk about their menstrual cycles. They're really not talking about their breast health that much. Um, and that's a great idea as you say you could you know you could definitely do once a month you know right go on then off off you go go and do it now (laughs) right yeah (laughs) time together as long as your cycles are roughly the same but yeah um yeah it's a good idea that yeah definitely is there anything else you want to talk about or mention before we finish today I would just say, if you want to download the Feel for Your Life app, you can go to feelforyourlife.com or go to the Google Play Store or App Store and you can find it to download it there. Fabulous. I'll put all the details in the episode details as well um, so that anyone can find you and the app. Um, And it's just been absolutely wonderful chatting to you. Um, And keep doing what you're doing because you're amazing. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time today and reaching out. And um, I look forward to getting to know you more and talking to you more outside of this. Definitely. Fabulous. (laughs) Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. If you've got this far and you're still listening, thank you so much. If you've liked this episode, please follow, 
so you can keep up to date with all new episodes and rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow me on social media where you can also find out about new episodes. I mean, just keep finding out about new episodes and also about my book, But Seriously, Who Knew? My Cancer and Other Bits Stories. Thanks again for listening.